0: one of the all-time favourite shows. Because you were home. So welcome along to our second part of our special Christmas break. Um, so this is kind of more for like, we're giving, as we said before, it's our favourite episodes. And um, So last week we had done the female director's one, which was just a great one for us to relive and re-listen to because mm. it was um it was a good episode just to see that you can get some crack and horror films made written and directed by women and um, which has always existed but we just like to kind of put a spotlight on it and my favorite episode that I looked back on when when we were picking what we'd do and um, it was one of the earlier ones because I find when we were doing the earlier episodes yes we were doing a lot of like trying out different things and different parts and it's a shame that they're kind of one and done. They're not really ones you could expand on. Well, maybe you could, it could be something to look into doing a part two and stuff. But one of the ones I really enjoyed doing was our art in horror yeah. and kind of looking up the macabre paintings, any stories behind them, all that sort of, you know, when you look into it and we were like looking at the paintings. And I think another thing I loved about it so much is that we, we got to record it together. We got yeah. to look at the paintings together and we got to have our stories about stuff. Um, Yes. so that was the good old days
1: <laughs> like we started this in covid but it's like there were times that we could get together and during the lockdowns. this was one of them and it was a good yeah day.
0: and i know that we're not in a lockdown right now but yeah yeah like i know it's we could technically be together but like i have i'm gonna put hand to heart i've become a bit lazy <laughs> it's easier now just you know doing the all zoomy zoom
1: it's also though it's dark and we don't drive
0: yes so,
1: and so. we d- we generally record in the afternoon yeah this one to... is a really good one as well I love this I love mm. when you get to do your research like really go into stuff so it's, it's yeah
0: and play play. because it wasn't anything to do with films it's like you had to do you had to look up more stuff you had to kind of like and there there are I have to say people can be dark in their paintings especially like in centuries ago when you know life was not so great shit got real i
1: actually think you'd be hard pressed to find a painting that was just painted out of the love of looking at a flower in any century or any time
0: yeah because even if you look at like van gogh's sunflowers it's like the man was also so poor and off his face used to eat his paint yeah yeah and
1: we are so that is episode
0: eight um yes Yes, you are. But sure, you gave me a beautiful wedding veil. So I mean, tortured artist, but also pretty damn good at what you're doing. <laughs> yep, you know, comes and goes. All the good stuff happens
1: are talking about all things art, so art in horror,
0: horror in yeah art movies, and, and how art has influenced horror movies, and there's actually, like, I was only just saying to you, I didn't think that this was going to make an episode, I was wrong, yes. I was very wrong, there's a lot in the <laughs> art I love world, y'all.
1: art is a subject that I absolutely love, Um, I've been fascinated by art and mm. all its movement for many years. It is a form that, like, from the beginning of time has been used to... Oh, yeah, so to... cave like paintings were a yeah. way
0: of communicating, and, yeah, that's about as far as I can go in my history. <laughs> like, I did an arts degree with an S, hard S, not an arts degree. Whereas I
1: did do an art degree, but I will not say that has anything to do with this. <laughs> It's just a passion yeah, yeah. It's more um more of a pattern than anything. I don't think I'd be able to pull on my okay. textiles here anyway. <laughs> but for me, art just influences so much and it's so subjective and you really take from any art piece or um anything, a sculpture or mm-hmm. possibly an installation, a sound installation, and it goes across so many different forms and um mediums as well, whereas sometimes when you say to somebody about Irish there you just automatically think of these um amazing oil paintings um but there are so many different mediums that oh, you yeah. have. Yeah. So you do you It's see, so great. It's so
0: subjective like so it's,
1: subjective. Yeah. And um you really take from it what you want to take from it. Mm -hmm. Obviously there's some that will come with this is what it was meant to be and oh yeah. You're gonna be able to look at some piece of art where you're going to it's fairly self explanatory what's going on. But every person is gonna take a different thing from a different piece of art. And that's very similar to when I watch a horror movie, I'm gonna see a totally different horror movie to what you would Yeah,
0: absolutely Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Kind of bring those two worlds together that are already a world. Mm Together anyway Yeah But we said we'd have a look And see how Art has influenced The world of horror How it kind of popped up And if you Yeah
0: it's it's there In the ones where If you don't look out for it Now only just You're looking through I'm like oh wow It's it influenced And it's present In so many films Yeah it's
1: amazing When I think about art And horror It's funny I don't really Think about For me When I watch a horror movie it, I love all those Kind of We've talked about it before those silly teen screams, uh-huh. job movies, yeah. those guilty pleasures are my pleasures. With art, I'm a little bit different. Ooh. I kind of like a very conceptual something very different, something very sinister, something Ooh. that kind of makes Creepy, me yeah, yeah makes me think and makes me go, oh, I don't know, is something. That actually draws me in to art, especially if it's something that's not just um a painting. If it's like an immersive kind of experience, we recently went to London when we actually could travel um for my mother-in-law's birthday, and there's a tunnel and it's under um it's under the Thames. Oh, yeah. And you can walk through it. You can walk from one side of the Thames no to the way. next. If... To London I London never knew that. I didn't know about it either. I'd never been in it. But we went into it. And it actually, it's an art installation in itself. Oh, really? So this tunnel, you go through and it has these amazing sounds. But if you did want to look it up, www.thespacebelow.org. And it's welcome to the underworld. It's the
0: sound world of the southern hemisphere oceans. Then that is like if you hear there is some sort of a noise that's going through the ocean, and it was like it was like a bubble noise or something. There's yeah. like all these unknown and these
1: kind of creaks. And yeah, you're very aware and you're gurgles. in this tunnel. Yeah, yeah. And it was funny. I could have stayed there for hours and just sat there and this sound I loved it I yeah. absolutely loved it and I just felt really energized and yeah. like I could take anything on and once we got out my mother-in-law was like oh that was really weird no I didn't like that at all yeah and it's amazing it's, yeah. how one thing will work for somebody and not work for somebody else when I think of as I said when I think of um horror and art two movements and they're very much closely uh related come to mind Straight away it would be a uh, Dada and surrealism.
0: Yeah, um, totally. I know at least of one of those. Yes,
1: <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, you definitely know Dada as well. Okay. hundred percent. If you looked it up, you'd you'd recognize okay. the uh, painting, yeah. yeah. and you'd recognize. And um, it, it it was a movement as well. It was it was like it was writing. It was poetry. It was painting. It was almost mm. like was like this lifestyle. It's yeah, really yeah. Like, it's goth,
0: you know. It, <laughs> it's
1: not just the music. <laughs>
0: it's It's a way of life
1: yeah yeah so oxford art online would describe it as after the war many of the artists who participated in the dada movement began to practice in a surrealist mode surrealism was officially integrated in 1924 when the writer andre Breton published the manifesto of surrealism similar to dada Surrealism was characterised by the profound disillusionment with the condemnation of the Western emphasis on logic and reason. However, Breton wanted to create something more programmatic out of the data's nonsensical and seemingly unfocused activities. Little critical there, you Uh know? Consequently, surrealist works were bound up with the psychoanalytical theories of Sigmund Freud relating to the irrational and instinctual drives of the unconscious. Through the use of unconventional techniques such as automatism and frottage, realist artists attempt to tap into the dream world of the subliminal mind, visualising its secrets and mysteries. Some of these artists include René Marguerite, Man Ray,
0: Matt Ernst and Salvador Dali. Oh, thank God that you mentioned Dali, because I was like, I was hoping that that was surrealism. Like, yes. in, and I'm like, it has to be, it just has to be. 100%. But that is a mouthful of a paragraph. And then that's why I, I also feel like, as a non-art student, like, that's how you know that that's coming from art. When it's a lot of big words thrown at you.
1: <laughs> it's a lot of big words that are thrown at you. And often that is kind of you can talk about the conceptualism you can talk about this and you can talk about all the feelings that are evoked from looking at this and the color and the crimson and this but really I like I actually think the thing that is going to come across to you most like a lot of times when I was trying to describe my art in Uh college the more kind of bouffant I found it or the more kind of like Profound, I found like it. That you more a and
0: you're just was, spitting it out. Yeah,
1: the more it was kind of taken on, where I could turn around. So you have and to say, talk the talk
0: as well as walk the walk.
1: Absolutely. Okay. So one of my projects, I had printed flowers onto a veil, and I had. <gasps> but put, that went places. I loved it, and I, I loved really it wanted too. it to be. Something where I would end up being the designer of Veil. And um, my my lecturers were like, people aren't going to buy these. And I was like, okay. And then a year later, OK Magazine had uh-huh. Angelina Jolie with her Veil. Her and veil. Yeah, and yeah. I think it was a little bit too girly. I don't know. They, they weren't loving it. Now, very later on, a number of years, I did design somebody's Veil a very important person who Aww. might be sitting beside me
0: yeah no uh, way back in the day I saw that veil that you had for your um your art project and I thought oh that's it I said I don't know when I'm getting married yeah um but I said the veil will have and that always stuck in in my head and so I had purposely went into a wedding shop picked out a plain veil I'd obviously asked you beforehand yeah and we had this gorgeous what was it Gold, copper and silver Yeah Leaves Because it was like A September wedding So it was autumnal Yeah Fabulous And That yeah.
1: always Like I know It was your piece Your necklace For mm. your wedding Was stunning The goldie Yeah Um, There's a book The Twelve Dancing Princesses That I grew up reading But it's the actual The illustrator, Errol Kane. Mm-hmm um, did the illustrations for it and that was where I took kind of my inspiration for your veil. you should look it up yeah because they go through these forests they go through the gold the silver and it's all the leaves and that's if I was ever going to be able to do something I want to do something like that once it was kind of obvious that look this wasn't an idea that they were going to go for I then started to dip my fabric into this porcelain slip. Uh So then I was able to say that I had printed these delicate flowers and the most delicate of fabric and put it into the porcelain, which was actually the most delicate and fragile of the ceramics that I could get. Yeah. And this was to represent the fragility of life and the fragility of everything. Realistically, it was, I could draw a flower... I had veil fabric at home, and my housemate was studying ceramics.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's
1: why that all came together. Yeah. But being able to sell this story. Oh, yeah. Like I've always said if you want to do sales in life, study art. (laughs) You just need to be able to, you need to be able to sell your art. Yeah. If somebody doesn't like it, if you turn around and you go, oh, but.
0: Yeah, you can't just go ta let them look at it and then walk away.
1: Absolutely. Like if you look at the likes of Duchamp. Duchamp did the. Um, did he do the dancers at break and all that sort of stuff? That or is. Blue dancers. No, no, oh. that's De yeah. Um But Duchamp did the, the urinal. The <laughs> yeah. So, for so him, not who I was thinking of. It's amazing, but you have this um you have this piece considered a piece of art and it's a urinal displayed and this is
0: what he went with and sure he obviously had some sort of reasoning behind it but that's another thing that I never understood about art is when you Do something like that, like you stick off a urinal and like Yeah, no, I tell you, this is art. Yeah. It's
1: because you turn around and you say stuff like, Oh, it's the juxtaposition of this or possibly I'm making a social commentary. We love a social commentary. Okay. and to be fair within horror we love a social commentary like that is we were true. talking yeah. about this and I said if I was to say the, the movement that it reminds me of horror brings me back to the movement that I would think of with surrealism and data it would be the midsummer and mm-hmm. the get out yeah of the horror world yeah, the, the new moment. golden
0: age of horror movies yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: and it's just I would definitely, if you're into it and you want to look it up, definitely look at René Marguerite and look at Salvador Dali. And Salvador Dali, I think, is somebody like, I grew up looking at Salvador Dali's paintings and God, they're so, you said the the most (laughs) accurate thing I thought (laughs) was looking through a book in the house and you're like, God, it's
0: like a load of posters from From college, college. which is
1: 100% true because they were
0: everywhere every college student had a dally in their apartment yes. or in their college dorm or even like i i take them home like i have dali paintings yeah air quotes from college yes. absolutely. 100%. yeah absolutely 100 and then
1: you have and there is something it's a little bit different it's a little bit it's, it's this feeling you get with them It kind of invokes the feeling in you then Rene marguerite definitely look at his stuff <laughs> it's funny i was gonna say that in a lot of his stuff there's a of space but also there's a lot of repetition like one of his very famous paintings is a man in a bowler hat with a piece of fruit In front oh, of his yeah, face
0: Oh yeah 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 I know that one yeah
1: um, And he would be Incredibly popular There's a new film On Shudder With Jesse Eisenberg mm-hmm. The cool. very. If you watch that film Then look at Some of Marguerite's Painting
0: And like that could be A dig at uh, You know Suburbia in America
1: I don't know Even though If they were influenced But I get the same Feeling Of oh, yeah. kind of Vastness And emptiness Yeah With some of
0: them I also Well like that I'm not as um Like I enjoy Art and every like European city I went to on holidays, I will always go and usually drag my husband now, he enjoys it then after a while, but into museums because I did, as I said, I did an arts degree, but I did Greek and Roman art and architecture as a part of my degree. So I used to love to go, Oh, I want to see this painting, like Venus by Botticelli. Like I studied that and I wanted to go see certain parts of architecture. architecture that I'd seen so when I looked up I was just simply was like art in horror Um, or horror in art even and um, I came up with a few paintings that really stuck out to me and you've seen them time and time again after I mention them I'm going to mention the artists as well so give them a look up and you'll know what I'm talking about and they are really like they're disturbing ones for me and they're really like they're standout ones so the first one is The Nightmare by Henry Fuseli I really hope I'm saying that one right now this was done in 1781 and this is the film uh, film this is the painting I'm too I'm all about films all
1: about, all about films all
0: about films no it's art so um, this is the painting where it's there's this woman dramatically draped over a bed yeah and her blonde hair is spilling down and really it looks like you wake up going my back
1: what did I do <laughs>
0: um, but there's like this monkey kind of demon sitting on her chest and this was the painting that people always describe and you're like I have sleep paralysis. I was just gonna say yeah. it's
1: like sleep paralysis. Yeah,
0: and that is the the not personification, but that painting. They're like, this is it. Even in the time, they were like, oh, was this what the artist was trying to portray? But he never gave any indication. Yeah, nothing. And um, so that's why I obviously like that people are gonna take from what they wanted. But it's because obviously this woman was asleep. This demon was sitting on her chest. They also got, you know, sexual uh, connotations from it that maybe the demon was a succubus and was, you know, with the woman every night. And so there was kind of two different ways where they were looking from it. But one of the really weird things about that painting is there is a very disturbed, not disturbing, disturbed looking horse. Its eyes are like the size of saucers and it's in the background, like his head getting through like the red curtain going like... What's going on here? It's it is so weird. And I read that they added the horse in later. It's like there's just not, not enough sti- odd going yeah. on here. Let's stick in a very confused and disturbed looking horse. Yeah. Like he wants to trot backwards and pretend he's just he like, per- sorry. Sorry, I thought I left my car sticking. Go- Whoa! What's going on? Uh, yeah. But yeah, that painting is like, it's, it's, you know, there's a demon, poor woman trying to sleep. And of course she's blonde so she's looking, and she's in all white, so She's looking very virtuous. Yeah. She's trying to get a kip. This lad sitting on her chest going, uh, wake up. Hey. <laughs> no sleepy. And um, so yeah, it stuck out for me when I saw it. I was like, yes, this is a great painting. And I, yeah. you know, like it would come to your head when you're thinking about, it, you know, like Gothic, harry kind of paintings, and then another one really tickled me because it kind of went into my Greek and Roman studies, and it was Saturn devouring his son by Francisco Goya, and this was done in eighteen twenty three. And I also took like a further look into it. Francisco Goya was a very interesting painter. He also painted a lot during the Spanish Civil War, yeah. And I looked into a documentary on um, it was the burning of witches, yeah. And so he did a lot of paintings of how in the civil war how the barbarity of what humans were doing to each other and if you
1: actually look up like horror artists yeah. goya is one of the ones
0: he's dark yeah like, this one of saturn's Bearing a son is a part of his um black paintings collection yeah and he had gone deaf and he just decided to he rent he bought this villa out in the countryside just took a maid with him they actually called it the deaf man's house or the deaf man's villa he totally secluded himself didn't want anything to do to anyone um but and so he started painting these paintings in his barn so that one of the few i think there was at least four they ended up now in the museum after he was dead they came across them they put them all into museums like yeah. murals and um, but so saturn devouring his son is of the greek god Cronus, who was from the titan myth and he was foretold that one of his children would overthrow him so what do you do when you get told that not not have children no eat your children and then they will never <laughs> I'm not sure you. that they
1: had the pill though then.
0: No, no plan yeah. B. No. 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 It was planned dinner instead. <laughs> um so he ate all of his children. Nice. And yeah, I mean like that's that's a lot going on there. Um so after a while his wife was like, I am sick of not being able to, you know, you get me pregnant, I carry the baby, and then you eat it on me.
1: She's so- literally cooking for nine months.
0: Yeah, yeah. She is on a slow burn. And uh, so then she decides to start feeding him rocks. She's mm-hmm. like, "Here, here's this rock, and I don't know what the babies were like before, because these were gods, by the way, and back then the Titans were also they like... They could have
1: been very muscly, and that's why he got yeah, the
0: rocks. So swole. Yeah. Ugh, yeah, brah. Um, no, see, the gods at the time of the Titans were like a mountain was a god. Yeah. And Gaia, Earth, was the god, and, you know, then there was the... Nice God who would cover all of Earth. They were husband and wife, and when I mean cover, I mean in cover in the matrimonial way every Ooh. night. Yeah. uh but apparently she was. Never, she wasn't all that into it, but it happened anyway every night. yeah. Um, but anyways the wife starts to feed Chronos, uh rocks, and so this means that she gets to keep her babies, and then Zeus is the child who then grows up and overthrows in the big titan myth and yeah it was just it was a very interesting when I read into it I was like that's what that's for because there's also a painting much much later on and it was of Peter the Great a Russian Tsar killing his son and he is holding the dead body of his son he'd like his brains in or yeah. something, and he has a look of like he's now knows what he's done obviously he was in a moment of madness and now he's just he's with it and he's yeah. like what have i done and that two paintings just got in my head because it's the same look like uh chronos or saturn in the title of the painting saturn's the latin and Cronus was the Greek. Yeah. so when you see saturn eating his child he's got like a thousand yard stare he's looking away he kind of looks like he's liking it though Oh yeah, because apparently in that picture I did not see and did not look into. Slightly got a bit of a diffy going mm. on, yeah. So um, yeah, and I was like, well, I'm not looking to double check. I'm just going to take this critique's word first. And in the painting as well, they're saying it was a female body. Now there's no head, so whatever. I- they, they were guessing from it that it didn't look like a male body and uh, then they were saying also it wasn't the body of a baby uh, yeah it, it doesn't look like, like a newborn no no it does not uh, so anyway it's I don't know what they were trying to contrive from that but basically it was it that was a painting that really stuck out when I see it because I actually when I first saw it I'm like oh that's the one of Peter the Great killing his son I'm like no it's not yeah it just, they're both, the men in that look similar to yeah, me. Yeah, and there would have been so
1: many variations on that. That actually is very similar to a scene in
0: Pan Sopper. Oh, yes. I Yeah, You we were talking about this. So it's the guy with the, now you can totally tell we've seen this before. It's the guy with the eyes on his hand. And it's I it's that you're now currently. I'm doing it. Yeah. Hands <laughs> in front of eyes, people. Yes, because I know everyone can see me. Uh, I know Google's <laughs> spying on me I'm giving Google a show Um, so he your one ate a fig or plum even though all the fairies who are help guiding her through were like don't eat the food he will go absolutely nuts and sure she does anyway maybe she's hungry peckish but they're all like no and surely enough, your man wakes up. He's like, "Sussing what's going on." He and he grabs one of the fairies, and the way he bites into once you said it, I could remember it. I've seen a clip of it. The way he bites, he's grabbing her by the hand, the arm, and biting her head off. And that's exactly how the scene is in the painting. Yeah. So yeah, and that's actually I didn't know that, but once I saw it, it clicked. Yeah, you kind of go. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. And the final painting I'm going to speak about is one I've actually physically seen myself. So it is of The Last Judgment, but this is a painting that's done in it's in Florence in a church. It was done by Fra Angelico in 1425. Uh, similar in the sense to like the last judgment that they have in the vatican but i saw this on a family holiday when i was 12 and it's kind of i suppose art is the one horror that you can see it's acceptable to show you at, at any, any age. age and especially some like that the hell scenes in churches dark. religious art it's yeah. terrifying really the, so what I find about religious art is they try to scare you into being a good person. It's a
1: cautionary tale. Oh it's, my God. It's yeah. a really, really messed up Ace of
0: Yeah. And they were like, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? And they come up with some terrible punishments. So in this painting, it's like Hieronymus Bosch's painting of the Garden of Earthly Delights. Yeah. Where it's like a trio put in one. And on the left hand side, you have all the saints and all the good people having a laugh in heaven in the center is there's a load of boxes that have been upturned and I didn't know what it was when for sucking but into reading of it it's they're meant to be tombs that Jesus up in the clouds was like you people were good but you're now dead so I'm going to resurrect you and then you can go into heaven so I thought their spirits would have oh no I'm getting into religious aspects I don't know so I'm going to leave it um and i'm going to move on to my favorite side which was the right hand side where the people who weren't so good were being like yeah. pitchfork led into hell and what i find interesting now as an adult looking at that was there were some people in like bishop robes kind of thing like ecclesiastical gear and i'm like oh are they digs of people like was this the artist so they knew dig- what was the all the way back to the 1400s um so anyway the there's, it's a very small painting in the sense of what's going on. They've only got a few little layers of hell, but they stuck out for me. So once you reach hell, you're stripped naked. And then people are being like strangled by snakes, force-fed food. Uh, the next picture after that is you're being boiled. So I imagine it's like a, like a seven layers of hell, but in being cooked and overfed and cooked. So it's like as if you're going to be fed, because it goes all the way down of you're being force-fed, boiled, and then down the line, There's this demon, big, black, hairy demon. Don't know whether it's meant to be Satan or what, but he's just like picking people up off the floor and eating them. Nice. And that third section fascinated me as a child. And I remember that's kind of why I was thinking about an art topic. Because I remember like as at my youngest, this was a big influence on me because when we came home, I thought I'm going to try and draw this again and it's going to be brilliant. But I cannot, never could, Never will be able to draw. My brother can. My dad's brilliant. It skipped me.
1: Yeah, I'm not good
0: at drawing. I'm not bad. Even in art. Oh, no. Terrible at drawing. I'm good at stenciling and colouring in, in the yeah. lines. That's why I like those adult colouring books. I'm mm-hmm. brilliant at
1: those. Yeah, no, not. The colouring books? I can colour within the
0: lines. I don't have much... To...
1: I'm very good at construction. Ooh. Yeah, I'm not very
0: good at imagination. Oh, no. Remember I told you I couldn't make up an imaginary ch- friend yeah. as a child? Like... That. But what happened with me was I tried to draw this, the yeah. hell scene. I remember thinking it's going to look real edgy and like oh, at 12, I could obviously see the way my life has gone. I was pre goth before I even knew it. Um, with a tan, because I'd just been in Italy. Yeah. So I tried to recreate <laughs> that. <laughs> so I, and the painting ended up looking like a cry for help. And I, you know, like when oh, I thought, oh, my parents see this, going to be like, oh no, what's wrong with Emer? Oh God. And then I thought they'd be like, Oh dear sweet Jesus What's wrong with our child It's like someone Stun on her hand And then made her draw um, Yeah so I promptly Binned that picture
1: I got that I got yeah. that One thing I take from What you are talking about The art that you chose And actually looking at Some of the movies That you like Is that you really like Cannibalism So you have I'm a
0: hungry gal All the time
1: You have your Sasha devouring his son mm-hmm. You have the one You just spoke about
0: you oh yeah, have yeah.
1: Your love for Hannibal Lecter. Oh yeah. In a way, your love for vampires. Yeah. So yeah.
0: <sighs> Sorry, it's is old. this is this finally the time I was meant to have with a psychiatrist? I'm on a sofa right now. Yes. And is this it now? That's that painting. This is what it's been led to That 20 years later. 20
1: years later, you just really, really want to eat someone.
0: When I looked at art and horror, horror and art,
1: looking at what would be considered like the top kind of horror painting. And as you said, Goya. So Goya came up. As one of the kind of big horror... The Dark Lord of the Paintings. The Dark Lord. You had um, Edvard Munch. One of the ones... Um, so I have six paintings, or six artists, I suppose, I'm going yeah. to talk about here. So you have Hans Memling, he did hell in uh, fourteen eighty five. It's an image of this like winged demon he has, the wings like a bat, has his horns, ears like pigs, oh. and for some reason has a face on his belly. Oh. Face on his tummy. But it looks like there'll be he's he actually looks like he might be controlling all the people who are
0: falling in. Now Well they this say is your me. second
1: brain is in your stomach. There you go, that might be something to do with it. Oh. Yeah.
0: Again, the hunger girl talking like here.
1: <laughs> See? So Emer e- just wants to eat somebody. But this shows that this would be one of the
0: images that came up. This is going to sound like really weird, but when you mentioned about the multi-bodies put together in the one, <laughs> this is something that actually my husband told me to talk about and I completely forgot. It's just a tiny little story. We were on holidays in Florence and it was in the place we were staying in. They had these like weird paintings in the hallway as you were going down the stairs. Mm-hmm. One of them that really stuck out was the body of a boy and the head of a cockerel. So Chris, my husband, took a picture of it and I wish I could find it and I was gonna put it up on our Instagram because it was like every morning, going going down for breakfast and coming out, we'd just see it there and it was just the most disturbing painting i have ever so speaking of all the horror paintings i was talking about that one was on a normal day really disturbing and that's just obviously you know like if you have like a little painting in a and b or something like that it's kind of just you know something you picked up but like they saw that and thought that's it that's that's, that's what Vermont. we want. yeah yeah that's gonna make nice. tourists feel really comfortable Pop boy <laughs>
1: I actually wish that there was a visual element to this. Emer looked right into my soul <laughs> and just
0: said "Cockboy." boy. boy. Um, it's what it was. Disturbing m- is also what it was. Moving <laughs> swiftly. Really Sorry, hard. yeah, yeah. Next up we have Titian and the the flaying of Marcius. Yeah, flaying is one of the worst ways to die because you're not dead for a bit and I've I've read of it in like horror books and stuff like that of way people will kill you it's they just start and they've got a knife and they pull up your skin and they just start going yeah strips off of you until it's just the muscle underneath and your tendons and your veins and it's horrible horrible
1: this poor guy right so this painting depicts um marcius he's hung upside down from a tree and you can see that they are, there's a few onlookers who are very interested. And um, they are starting to play him. There's a woman in the corner who is playing a violin. But essentially, he is, this is happening to him because he lost a um competition against Apollo. Oh. So, music competition. So, he. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So, this was his punishment. The so, gods are vengeful gits. But, like, I I feel in this instance, he was damned if he did and damned if he didn't. Oh, yeah. Like, imagine if he had won Won. against He'd probably be
0: turned into a violin, then. Yes. Played by Apollo for the rest of his life. Now you get to play music forever. You and know, ever. yeah, it's like when you make a, a wish, you get your three wishes from a djinn or a genie, you know, and it's like it's a double edged sword. you got to be really careful with how you do it or else you're going to get screwed over. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, but oh, no. See, they always thought in art or in harm that that you could technically flay a person. Take their entire body's worth of skin off, and they'd they'd still be alive. But you'd go into shock and die. You know, fairly into it. Yeah, I would. I would imagine so. It's it's definitely
1: not something I would like to happen I hate paper to me. In my, um, oh, I hate paper cuts. When I used to work in um, Extra Vision with Grace, um, I rang her one day to tell her I couldn't come to work, and she asked me why, and I told her I'd gotten a paper cut. <laughs> and she told me to put the phone down and get my ass into work. But, <laughs> no, they're horrible. They're disgusting. Actually, this I is the s-
0: worst way to die. Someone from work got a paper cut on her eyeball.
1: Yeah, that happened to my mom. Let's not go into no. it. Whoa. Not good. So after after this, we're going to go to one of my favourite painters of all time. It's Caravaggio. He has um some fairly dark... Mm. Uh, it's the tones and the colours that he uses um in his paintings. Um, and then the light that comes in. They're just... Fantastic. I was about to say they're fab. Can you can you fab. say that about? Art? I can. I'm, it's I'm going there. I'm going it's there. how they're you fab. find it. Yeah, they're, they're amazing. I absolutely love them. But essentially, he's an Italian painter from the Baroque and Renaissance mm. um and time periods. But so yeah, it's by Caravaggio. But it's Medusa. So it was painted in the 1500s, so 1596 to 98. And mm-hmm. it basically um depicts the severed head of Medusa. great she did this
0: in college Still screaming, yeah. yeah,
1: um she wouldn't oh, me though. Yeah, yeah, and she has her snake. I love the colors in this as well, the blues, the reds the the green that it's on the background of, and my favorite, I think my favorite thing within Caravaggio's paintings is the highlights that he uses, so the light oh, yeah.
0: that really picks up everything within his painting oh well when you meant highlights have, i thought you meant like highlights in her hair the different <laughs> color snakes are like your highlights and your lowlights lights, your, your, low no. lights and your okay all right no. and that's my two cents in art but
1: in fairness he does have some very lovely different colored snakes in there Thank so you. fair play yeah well done for picking that's up exactly.
0: on that uh, what i thought you meant
1: absolutely beautiful but no actually
0: do have a look at a couple of his pictures they're and what people fantastic. used to do, soldiers used to have um the head of the Gorgon um of Medusa uh as on their shield. So oh, it yeah? would be like frighten oncoming soldiers in battle because if you meant to be that if you saw the face of Medusa, you yourself would turn to stone. Oh yeah. And that's why when I wanna say is it Perseus, um, in his trial, he has to slay medusa and he gets like this reflective thing so she sees kind of like herself and turn and then as i think she might be turning to stone herself and she decap, she he he decapitates her but the story of medusa is actually horrible yeah yeah but again vengeful gods vengeful gods she was too pretty and so they turn her into snake hair horrible skin all that sort of stuff and that, yet yeah, the main side of her will turn men to stone. So, oh, anyway, sorry. The next one that um, I'm going to talk about is by
1: William Blake. He was an English poet and artist and printmaker. So this is actually one um that I didn't recognise. I hadn't seen it until I looked this up. I was very familiar with William Blake. I have a pair of Doc Martens from the Doc Martens by Tate Ooh. Um, so I have a pair of Doc Martens with a William Blake painting on them, which are kind of one of my pride and joys. I'd imagine. But this painting, it's almost like a human size, but it looks like a very muscular kind of demon. And um, they, I'm obsessed with stars, and there's some very pretty stars yeah. in it. Um so although it's it's kind of like this dream like scene um or nightmare scene i suppose mm-hmm. um this was one of the ones that comes up when you look for for some of the horror paintings It's very dark. It's very it's dark. It's like a
0: shadowed painting.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um but there's something really beautiful about it. Yeah. For some reason there's something very intriguing As we say, and romantically like beautiful. Yeah. 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 Definitely one to have a look. Um, it's funny on the Tate's website um the description of this the person who does the description he says it's, poss- it's probably not one of his one of his least favorite um yeah, right. whereas when I look at it I actually I think I've fallen in love with it a little bit. Yeah.
0: I love how that there's a star at the bottom left and it seems to be like illuminating the whole bottom yes. half of the picture and it is it's almost like a shooting star cause it's got a trail going behind it. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Yeah and it was the stars that I saw first and I don't know. Is it kind of directs your eye to it? It's yeah. the brightest part. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, it's it is. It's exactly what you said there. It's a, it's kind of hauntingly beautiful. The next one that I'm going to is very very well known artist Andy Warhol. Uh
0: huh.
1: Again, something that I am um, I wasn't familiar um of his, but it's called Electric Chair. Uh huh. And um, it's. It's essentially a um a print of an electric chair. That's what it so, says on the table. Yeah, it's been screen printed with silver acrylic paint. Oh. Um and in the centre of the canvas is depicted an unoccupied electric chair um set in an empty room. So it it is that kind of eeriness. Like if this was in the middle of the um the video in the ring, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there is something It looks very abandoned.
1: Very abandoned, a little bit eerie and a little bit different. Um and I couldn't leave this topic without mentioning Damien Hirst. Mm-hmm. He's a very I, yeah. um you you definitely know, know the stuff. Yeah. Um he did a lot of his work would be the animals in formaldehyde. So the big shark in the formaldehyde oh, or the sheep right. in the formaldehyde? Yeah. I yeah. um, he also did a a skull and he put diamonds and gems on it. It's like one of the most expensive pieces of art that was ever sold, or something. Yeah, and I don't know if it still is, but um, it was definitely up there. But the one thing you will 100% know him for is because he designed the artwork for the front cover of the Red Hot Chili Peppers I'm With You album. So oh yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah, The pill and the the flight. Yeah. So if I wasn't a bit obsessed with Damien Hirst before it, it just got you over the edge. I like basically fell in love with the man because I am absolutely besotted, besotted, infatuated, and over the moon in love with the relative chili peppers and Anthony Kiss in particular, and actually all of
0: them. Will die on this hill. I dare anyone to not like them.
1: Die on the hill. Even
0: one song to tell me, you know, like you'll you like a song.
1: Oh, I just love them so much.
0: They're hauntingly beautiful. <laughs> but you had a look at, at film. Yeah, so moving on. So when I was looking into that, like moving on just from like horror art, there are art horror. This is actually much harder to say. Yeah. Art horror. I'm like rah, rah, rah. art horror movies. So um it's kind of like you've always got your art house films. You've got all that kind of um stuff which I you know you've watched it realizing that it's an art it's very visual and um, I feel like as if they tend to be based on atmosphere and style to create an unnerving experience that you know based on that more so than the actual scares like the bump in yeah. the night so I read a good article about this on vulture.com And they went on to say that, you know, they may have characters or situations that lend themselves to typical horror narratives. But very often they work against viewers' expectations by unfolding in elliptical ways or keeping the actual horror off screen or sending their stories in new surreal directions. So um, I also find that art horror is hard to define because it is, as a subgenre, it is by necessity inexact. And fluid, so by judging at that, and I was trying to think of films I have seen yeah. that go underneath the art horror, um, title would be one of them would be F.W. Murnau's nineteen twenty two Nosferatu. Oh now, yeah, I know that that's obviously very visual. It's a silent film, um, it's bloody fantastic. Um and it the, you know it was said to be in many ways the ancestor to both traditional horror and also art horror because it's very much so horror you have Count Orlok come over on the boat again the whole thing about Nosferatu is that it was basically a complete rip off uh, Bram Circus Dracula but after he died there was a bit iffy with the rights and whilst his wife was trying to obtain full rights to it they made this film and then she obtained the rights told them to burn the original and all the copies of Nosferatu. Oh my god. Yeah. Because they just simply thought by changing his name to Kent Orlock that, ah, oh, we're safe, we're fine, even though the rest of the film goes in the way. Like he's going on the ship and he's killing everyone there, and then he goes to another country, to like England, to like kill people and so <laughs> yeah as you do this is just a normal trip for anybody it happened to be that one or two copies of Nosferatu remain and that's the only reason why we know and can see of it now it wow. would have just been one of those ones lost to history and uh, only told through stories but that was such a, a fabulous visual one and then there is this contrasting too that you have Werner Herzog's 1979 Nosferatu the Vampire and that is a hundred percent pure art horror. Yeah. I've s i have saw it a good few years ago and it is it's it's a bit weird and then it takes a cliff dive into complete bizarre. Um but I'm sure if you were like someone who was really into art house maybe would take a look at this and go now this is a horror film I can get behind yeah um, like it's a hypnotic deliberate film about sexuality disease and otherness like the whole thing is by the last third of the film people think that everyone dying in this village is because of a plague they think the plague has reached them Yeah. and so they all just decide to in one big scene that just envelops um, through the streets and in the village squares, is they just kind of, it's like a hedonistic party. People are eating, like having a feast in the middle of the uh, square and they're just like doing all kinds of whatever they want to do because they're like, well, everyone's dying. So they all think they're going to die from plague. And you also have this, like funerals <laughs> are happening. It sounds like Era Square last night. Jesus, yeah. absolute. Um. But you know that one is again—it's like Nosferatu on LSD. It is just
1: bonkers.
0: But also just a great film. And Suspiria from 1977, yes. Dario Argenta. There were some lovely bright colours, mainly red. He would be
1: really considered one of the...
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he is up there with all his... with Like every one of his films would be seen as like a work of art. Yes. Now, the the plot of Suspiria is that it's... This girl gets accepted into a dance academy in Germany. And I think she's meant to be American in it. Although they're all, they're all Italian. <laughs> Um, but you know dubbed in whatever language there was meant to be in and uh, so it's a film that uses strong colours throughout the film and it pushes visual boundaries Um, at the time during the death scenes there's also the sacrifice of one of the dancers like she keeps she's like it's so weird she's rolling around but falling into like all these glass windows and then her body is like she gets brought up, she's dead because she knew too much yeah about what was going on with the witches and so they're like, Right, well you're going to die. But then she ends up getting resurrected to kill the main dancer girl. But she's got like all these it's so it's actually quite disturbing. She's got like three nails in her eyes. Oh. Yeah. But yet she can see fine and she goes, but oh, oh like to find this underground layer, it's she goes, there's this lovely mural of flowers on the wall and the friend who then died had said oh it's some sort of a color of the flower changes and that was the actual door to get in yeah like it is visually beautiful bonkers story but um it was a great film aesthetically even if you're kind of lost to what's going on in the film like what is happening it is now I haven't seen the modern one but I'm purely going on the 1977 version it is just it's like it's pretty to look at yeah yeah just go along with the film. It's a good ride. And then one of my favourite modern films, uh, which I thought, yes, it's aesthetically beautiful. Didn't realise until I read into an article that there is so much going on with it, art-wise, yeah. is Ariaster's Aster's Midsummer. It's um, stunning, to be honest. Yeah. Stills from that movie, you would have as works of art in your head. My God, yeah. Like It's got an opening scene of a mural. And it's one of those, when you f- watch the film first and you don't know anything about it, you just got. mural there you go it's telling you key points of what's going to happen in the film if you pause it and look you've actually essentially seen the film spoiler alert in the first 30 (laughs) seconds but so the mural was done by an artist called Mupan uh who Ari Aster had described as a spiritual descendant of Hieronymus Bosch like in the way that the story is fluid through the murals and then also the artist was did all the barn paintings where again if you I did couldn't do this because I was in the cinema but if you pause the movie Yeah and um, expand in on areas there are like telltale signs of what's going to happen to certain characters in the paintings in the barn Yeah and then obviously like because they're given like they go on in LSD trip or they take magic mushrooms that's what it is and so like there's that very trippy scene kind of early on into it maybe 45 minutes into it mm-hmm. and then like towards the end like there's the lovely use of the colour of the flowers of the headdresses like it's very ornate the gorgeous embroidered dresses like it's very because it's it's at a time in Sweden night it's very rarely nighttime, so it's like 9 o'clock at night and it looks like 3pm it's pure peace yeah sunlight so because it's so bright it's so fresh there's flowers everywhere but that's also hiding the part where like the elderly people have to sacrifice themselves after a certain age so that they don't become i think the people are not dependent
1: it's something very unsettling about something that is a place that is so
0: Aesthetically identically, aesthetically yeah. pleasing to the eye That you're kind of like Everyone has a smile on their face Whilst the sacrifice is happening Of the elderly people Who are volunteering to do it it's, 100% And then you come in And you're like This isn't a part of my life So this is As everyone who gets brought in Are absolutely disgusted by
1: It's funny I think this is one of the reasons Why I actually like art so much And probably kind of Get a little bit too into it mm-hmm. And <laughs> why I like the, the period of art That I like so much And how I Kind of related it back to Midsummer as well, but when I watched Midsummer and the way you were saying there, where people would come in and go, "God, this is awful. We can't do this." I honestly believe if I didn't have my family and friends and my husband, I would be in a cult. Like, <laughs> I just um, I like the idea that everything is just <laughs> they tell you for where, me. they tell you what
0: to eat, They're they tell you when to sleep.
1: It looks very pretty. They all think everything's fine. So actually, it's fine for them. So if you were immersed in that, you'd be totally fine. You'd be totally okay. But when I watched
0: Midsummer, it's like, I
1: don't know if the thing was that bad.
0: I'd leave before I reach the age where they want to kill yourself. Like, lads, I'm going to head home. Yeah, I might I'm do gonna that. I'm going to go to a retirement
1: village. Yeah, I might I'm be not like, I'm not going to
0: jump off a cliff.
1: Go with the way of oh, picking up a carton of cigarettes and never
0: coming home. Yeah, I'm off
1: for a pack smokes. See ya.
0: Yeah, peace. Um. Yeah, because I was just about to say whilst you were like ma- putting no putting on such a nice shine on cults. I'm like, I have listened to enough podcasts on cults to know that they they you know they're not smiling really. Like they they're, they're yeah. sleep deprived, they're starved, they're on such a and that's how you get people to follow you. So yeah. You break them down physically and mentally. And um, so I was like, I I'm glad you know thanks to Ms. and opened your eyes that it's not all sunshine and lollipops. Oh no,
1: hundred percent. I'd still be in it. Well, all right it's then. I tried.
0: I've yeah. tried Yeah Y'all yeah. heard me <laughs> Any cult leaders out there? Hit up Grace on Instagram Not Emer I'm free and willing <laughs> mm. First one you're not going to have to charm in with anything She'll <gasps> already just... have her white dress I'll run your Instagram Yeah And then you'll also get a free pair of Nike runners Nice Yeah that will Yeah it comes with every cult And then there was one <laughs> Um,
1: when I was looking at all that is horror and art, art and movies, horror. And-
0: horror, horror, har- like a chainsaw. Sad <laughs> chainsaw. Har- <laughs> har-
1: going back into the horror, horror. One thing that I Something that I found On a website called Ravishly I found this article Kind of uh, Dedicated to Horror movie Horror films That were inspired by painting
0: Ooh
1: Yeah So it's funny It really um, Kind of brings back Some famous paintings that would, that would like inspired. Absolutely, yeah. Scenes
0: or inspired
1: something. Oh, so it's forward. not
0: inspiring it the entire film? No. Oh, okay. No,
1: so it could be aspects of the film or something that was inspired there. René Marguerite painted a painting called The Empire of Light. Mm mm-hmm. um, It's this really beautiful painting. Um, funnily, it actually has this really beautiful blue sky, but the yeah. scene is really dark. You have this really dark tree and this house lit up by a single lamppost. This painting directly inspired. Famous scene in The Exorcist where Father Marin first appears outside mm. of
0: Reagan's house. And it was the like the poster. Yeah, and he's looking up into the room.
1: Yeah, so it directly looking inspired... at this picture, I can yeah. see it.
0: It's the lone lamp, and that's obviously because it was dark in the film. It was dark everywhere else, but unlike in that painting in The Exorcist, it was all dark. But I love in that painting; it's such a contrast. It's it's a perfect blue sky, lovely fluffy clouds, and yeah. then dark forest with a house in there.
1: And this is kind of the thing that... What I was saying at the start with Marguerite's paintings. That there's so... There's just some eeriness about that. Looking yeah, at it going... You're
0: saying like the the loneliness, the
1: isolation. Yeah. And as well the fact that it... The bottom is dark. But mm-hmm. the top... It's, it's, it's calming. Day. It's happy. You know, it's safe. There's something very strange about it. Yeah. So it talks about um Labyrinth with Goya's painting that you spoke about as well. yeah there's one that... Has always been said to have inspired screen. Okay. So you have Edvard Munch's screen.
0: I was, yeah, gonna make sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: Now, this did and didn't inspire, Uh I believe, because technically it inspired the the manufacturers of the mask.
0: Yes, that
1: was, um, that then inspired. costume of ghostface and scream Mm -hmm. but it wasn't that the costume designers saw um munch's scream and said oh god we need to emulate this in ghostface this was um a mask that was found during so they were scouting for where they would actually film the film yeah and they were in a house and somebody's son had this mask so that's where the mask came from and yeah. then they had to find out who produced it so although it is kind of in a roundabout way mm, yeah. inspired by this it wasn't the Directly, thing that it actually yeah. and then the last one that I'll speak about is the house from Alfred Hitchcock the house that Alfred Hitchcock used in Psycho it was inspired by Edward Hopper's painting House by the Railroad and when we were getting ready for this um episode I kind of took a, brought up all of the painting from that I was going to be talking about and the first thing you said when you saw this painting was god that looks really like the house from Psycho yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. before even I was like
1: ah so yeah there were some paintings that um inspired some horror movies and horror yeah. directors well that was
0: actually very enlightening there you go um, so my final thing that I love into was the use of art and paintings in horror movies. Now the first one I'm going to talk about is not particularly a horror film, it'd be Ghostbusters 2. Um, So obviously if you, I would imagine most people have seen it, especially if you're listening to this podcast, I'd imagine you would have seen it, but it's the painting of Viggo. Vigo the Carpathian. Uh, I think it was the sorrow bringer of something. It, it's a big title in it. But I have it here. It's the scourge of Carpathia and the sorrow of Mo- Moldovia.
1: <laughs> I can imagine you using that as... I've thought. answered my
0: No I've answered my phone at work Hello Emir here at work It's the Scourge of Carpathia And the star of Moldovia Hey may I help you oh. Um. So basically the whole premise of that Is there's this painting of Vigo It's the only way I can pronounce is Peter McNeil's Go character of Janos Poha The guy who works in the museum But he like Peter McNichols Character has like I don't know where he's meant to be from In the film But he can only say Vigo like Vigo Hence stuck in my head like yeah. that So basically Sigourney Weaver's character Dana is back in it and so the two of them are working in a museum. She is um, cleaning up the paintings which they have to do obviously to make them last longer. They have to touch them up, make sure that they're holding up and so he was a painting there but he has obviously some sort of supernatural powers so he enslaves Uh, Janos and he orders Janos to bring him now at this stage in the second film Dana has a baby he wants the baby to be um, basically to carry his soul through and he can grow up as the boy and live on his life it's a terrifying painting it is he's there standing looking all angry yeah and you know brutal and thoroughbringer style um and scourgy scourgy yeah and at the same time in the film there's this ooze going on in the underground and it's this pink slime and if you get in contact with it it makes you very you know aggro and you start fights with people and the only way to change that is with um like a counteractive positive slime um which is just really weird so basically Vigo and he enslaves Janus he actually does steal the baby they there's coming up to the end of the film like they have this whole the baby's ready for the sacrifice and the mother's like no save my baby yeah and um so they put the positive slime on Janus and he's like oh i'm fine now oh, i'm covered in this stuff anyway uh, i'm not i'm describing this terribly but also it ends on a really weird way where it's the crowds of people outside the museum are singing au lang Syne and it's the positivity of everyone is now they're not angry at each other they're all real positive because they've been broken from the spell yeah and that positivity breaks vigo and he ends up they all zap him and push him back into the painting and you're like okay that's the end of the film then they also have like the Statue of Liberty, like how they, you know, big giant Statue of Liberty had big um, stay puffed marshmallow man. Yeah. Uh, and they have the Statue of Liberty in this one. It's, it's to me, I still prefer just the first one, but it was when I was looking for paintings. It was Ghostbusters too. Yes. It was the painting. You kind of have to. Yeah. 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 So that was one of the films that has paintings in it. And then another one. That I have watched recently. I only watched it last year, and it's very much so all about, you know, paintings that kill. And it's Velvet Buzzsaw. And this film was done on Netflix. And you have so many characters in it. You have Jake Gyllenhaal, Renee Russo, Tony Collette, just to name a few. But the gist. Tony Collette. What can not she do? I love her. I, I love actually. Her. And I still also love her in Muriel's Wedding. Muriel. My name's now Muriel. It's not Muriel. Anyway, moving on. So, um, the, the gist of this film, um, and sorry, spoiler alert, cause I know it's, it's out maybe less than a year, so I won't try and go too much into it, but, uh, it's all about, oh, annoying arse people in LA where you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars just to get an art piece. And Jake Gyllenhaal is this cutthroat critic. Yeah. Like what he says goes, he can make or break you. Yeah. Um, You've even got John Malkovich in it and he's an artist where they're like, his art is terrible now that he's sober. And he even he's like, I shouldn't have quit drinking. And you're like, oh my God, this is so bad. Yeah. But basically there's this character, she's an up and coming artist and in her apartment block, an old man has died outside of his apartment. And she goes into the he- apartment room to obviously see if she can find anything to maybe say who he is does he have family she sees that he was trying to burn these paintings but there's still so many of the paintings left and she's like oh my god they're amazing discovers that the man has no family no one even really knew about him in the apartment block so she takes all the paintings goes to i'd say she has someone in the art world that she uses it's someone i think he was running one of the um the art studios and she's like she she comes clean she says look I don't think anyone's known about this person I think I can you know I think maybe she might start saying sorry if I'm wrong I think she might say that they're hers and then eventually has to come clean and go no they're this guy and I've checked no one knows him and so yeah. then they, they then decide to go all in they say we're going to open these up did a few paintings at a time we're going to sell them off we're going to make a killing because there's so many here and they're so amazing but then it all seems to go wrong she's discovered that like the red in the painting is his blood and Jake Gyllenhaal like really does a look into the guy who was the painter and he's like oh he spent time in an asylum you know he's just not right in the head and then the paintings come to life and kill all the people who are basically going to use these paintings for ill-gotten gains like yeah and it's funny, like, there's a character at the very end who's, like, an up-and-coming artist who wasn't influenced this, didn't get taken in, didn't see, like, the dollar signs, and just goes on doing his own paintings. Yeah. Um, so you can see, obviously, it's like that if, you know, it's it's just a... If you treat, stay true to yourself. Yeah, like, it's a... It's and a, don't a, sell out. Yeah, it's a satirical film on the contemporary art world where, you know, like, basically big-money artists um, and mega-collectors pay... Basically, like the highest price for the art. Yeah. Um. Sure, wasn't it that Banksy sold a piece recently? And
1: the minute the minute it sold, it went through shredded. Oh. And it probably became so much more valuable.
0: Yeah. Once it was fell it off strip by strip. But, um, so basically Dan Gilroy, who was the creator in, of the film, um, and the director, I think I'm <laughs> saying director, I could have had this so wrong. Um, uh, but anyway, um, so he basically loosely put this film from the life of uh, the artist Henry Darger. And um, he was a reclusive artist who created a prodigious volume of artistic work that was celebrated posthumously, like with this character um and he had also spent some time in an asylum and he was known as an outsider artist, so it's kind of like he saw these things, and, you know basically the complete opposite end of instead of someone just claiming it's it's the right person who it's meant to be, but someone, what would happen if someone claimed it to be their own, yeah, and you know if the person knew that and basically their anger got the paintings to come to life. And like, I won't say who dies or how people die. I would definitely recommend it. Even if people die in a horror, I know it's a bold move. (laughs) And it's not really thought of before. It's kind of shunned a bit, but they give it a go and it's interesting. So that one was, I find like that one was literally, you know should have just said paintings that kill yeah and, you know they come with a killer price <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then one of the third ones that really stuck out for me was now this is more it's a film adaptation of a book and that's the picture of dorian gray by oscar wilde and the story was done in 1890 and this is obviously i think a lot of people would know the story it's dorian gray he's immortal. But up in an attic somewhere is this decrepit painting. Every time the man even commits a moral sin, like greed, uh, or some debauchery thing, that will show on the painting in... Okay. Like, say something as simple, like, he gets his arm cut, he'll be fine, but the painting will now have a scar on its arm. Okay. Um, He drinks too much you know basically the painting will be (laughs) massive hangover yeah or the painting will end up turning a little bit yellow from jaundice but he'll be fine okay and so it's kind of like because it was done in the late 1800s it was very much so like the guy realizes he could do what he wants and he just goes fully after a while when he's testing out what he can and can't do he goes into a life full of debauchery Yes. and um then he, like, after a while, he tries to live a bit righteously. And um he looks at the painting to see after, because I think he gets a shock. He hasn't seen it for a few years and he sees how bad it is. He's okay. like, I'm going to try and, like, live a bit pure, see if my painting will get a bit better. Because basically he'd sold his soul when he saw his painting. Like, I want to look like this forever. Sold yes. his soul to get that. But obviously he's going to look like the painting, but the painting takes all the hits that he doesn't. Um, So, basically, after he tries to, like, look good, like, be good, the painting gets even worse because then he realises he only wanted to live a good life to make himself appear better. He wasn't doing it for... For the right reasons. Yeah, yeah. And then, oh, eventually, he, in the book, he does a full confession to try and absolve himself of his um, wrongdoings. Then he decides to destroy the painting. That's the one last thing he can do to clean his conscience. Okay. And then... Basically, the cleaners come to the house the next day, or the servants, and they just find this old, decrepit... Like, he takes a knife to the painting, and they just see this old man, ravaged by time and disease, with a knife in its heart. And the only way that they can tell that that was Dorian Gray is because of the rings on his hand.
1: Oh, wow. And then,
0: obviously, the painting, even though it's got a knife in it, or it's slashed through it, is how he was at the time. A young man. Yeah. So... There have been so many adaptations. There's been plays, TV versions, and many, many films. Sadly, the only film I watched with it yeah. was that god-awful film, The League of Extraordinary Gentleman, with Sean Connery and Stuart Townsend playing Dorian Gray. I do love Sean Connery. I know, but he, oh, Sean Connery hated doing this film. Okay. Absolutely. It was like kind of near the end of it because he's obviously in retirement now it was like one of the last like, this may have driven him into retirement he hated it and I actually I, I really feel bad when you when actors are like god damn hated making that film and yeah like you're just going through the motions you're just doing the scenes it's a paycheck yeah, oh, that's what was it? Harrison Ford, Bruce Willis. Now they are two of the main actors. If you see them now, uh, like Harrison Ford hates doing interviews or films and all that sort of stuff. Bruce Willis, you can just see he's just doing straight to video or DVD films now. He is just same old, same old crap. But anyway, so um, in this film, they obviously have the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but some bad guy called like I think it's the Phantom or the something like that is trying to get trying to recreate the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So he's okay. getting, he has robbed Dorian Gray's painting. Ah. And in this film, if Dorian sees it, then he absorbs everything that happens. So he's like trying to get it back so he can keep it covered up and keep it safe and live his okay. life the way he wants to. Um, but basically, so this guy has the painting. And in this, is like bonkers film. He had had an affair with Mina Harker from Bram Stoker's Dracula, who in this yeah. film is the vampire after like the end of the film like, in the book, she gets made back to a human. Yeah. And in Stoker's Dracula, like, in the Francis Ford Coppola, she becomes a vampire. So in this, she's a vampire. And um, so they had had an affair, and then they broke it off. But, like, when they all realise that they have been duped and that it's Dorian Gray in the film who was basically giving everything to the bad guy, Yeah, the only person who can outlast him in a fight is Mina Harker, because she's immortal as well. So he tries to stab her with a knife that he has like in a cane you know and those kind of long swords yeah and uh, but he just misses her heart and so she pretends to be dead gets back up then impales him and he's like you can't kill me he's like yeah but i have your painting Push. <laughs> shows it look at it and then in like cgi it's he just dies and like probably turns to dust or something like that so I feel like as if I robbed myself of, like, I really would have liked to have seen a proper adaptation of the picture of Dorian Gray. Maybe when you do,
1: though, you will be, it will be, like, ten times better than it ever would have been
0: yeah because I saw how bad it could be I'd like to see you know how good it could be and then just now at the very end I just have some two wee mentions of paintings that are in films not the main focus yeah but also in it chapter one of the modern one you have the painting of the woman in the rabbi's office that Stanley was always terrified of Mm -hmm. and Pennywise uses that woman he makes her come to life to scare Stanley because obviously he's trying to scare all the children because you know they taste better when they're scared yeah um, so that was one there where the woman she had like a really weird head and it was like a creaky side neck and so like that's how Stanley she like bites him on the head and that's how his head ends yeah. up getting all wrapped up because yeah she attacks him and then The Conjuring 2 the painting of the nun oh yes which I still think looks like Marlon Manson with like stage makeup on yeah um, like absolutely think that that looks like marlon manson but anyway i just like it terrified me at the time when you just you know that there's something going to happen with the painting when she's looking at it and looking away and looking at it and and then in the background like stuff is happening but when then the painting becomes the human nun yeah she's still got her head in the painting she's holding <laughs> on to the side of the frame and chasing after going like and you're like this is someone had to just basically hold on to a frame, put their head through her and run after her. I'm like, yeah, when you stop and think about it, like it's not, it's not scary. But they were, yeah. So they were just two little mentions of paintings Within horror movies Yes
1: I have a few of those as well Yeah So in American Psycho You have um, There's a scene Where he's standing In front of a very large print It's by Robert Longo in okay. Men in City series Then the next one Is Not exactly horror Uh huh But it is a Tim Burton movie
0: Oh well yeah All his very artsy films Art and horror Kind of dark And it's one of my favourite Batman movies <gasps> Batman Oh the best Batmans. Yes.
1: So um, definitely Tim Burton's Batmans are my favourite. Yes.
0: I, Chris Van Allen did fantastic work, but to me... It's always a two Tim Burton films. I love that. Absolutely.
1: And behind the Joker, in one scene, a um, Francis Bacon. And Francis Bacon is an Irish artist. Mm-hmm. But there is the um, figure with
0: meat. There were so many paintings in that when they were defacing.
1: Yes. And then in Children of Men, you have one of Pablo Picasso's Ooh. most amazing works uh, Guernica. Um, one thing I didn't realise um and when I looked back in it I was like, Oh, that's really interesting. One of my favourite painters is Van Gogh. I love all of his paintings. Mm. They're just really um dreamlike and
0: ethereal
1: and just stunning like visuals. Yeah. But in I Am Legend in his house in his sitting room, he has A Starry Night.
0: Oh, I have one of those. and Well, I had it in my apartment. I haven't put it up in my house yet, but I have a painting of A Starry Night as well.
1: They're just so beautiful. Oh, and gorgeous. then he also has, um in his living room, he has another one of Van Gogh's paintings. So just looking at that, um, when I Googled it, because I was like, I don't know if I believe this. And when yeah. I Googled it and saw it, I was like, God, I don't know how I missed that. Yeah. And the place that I looked, uh, the place that I found that, Bit. It actually said that they were on. So again, I'm kind of like, I don't know how true this is because I'm like, I can't imagine yeah. that an art museum would lend out a Van Gogh for a movie. The actual Van Gogh. This is what I saw. I'm. Um, on the article, and of course I can't remember the article, which is really bad of me, and I'm very sorry. Um, I'll try and find it. But um, yeah, yeah. Apparently they were on loan. Uh huh. I like to think that's not true because I like to think of them being in a place that they couldn't possibly have a piece of equipment fall on them. Oh yeah. And I saved this one for you. Yeah. You mm-hmm. So there is a uh, there's a painting in Dracula. The most romantic film in the whole world. Yeah, and so it's by this um painter called Albert Durer. Uh huh. It's a self portrait. Okay. And when I looked at it, I was actually like, "Oh my god, Emer's going to love him."
0: Yeah, that's a stunner.
1: Yeah. He yeah. has
0: this I'm a sucker for a man with long hair.
1: Beautiful long hair, and even his hair.
0: Here's the like, perfect curl. The
1: perfect curl. He looks like he's ready to derobe. Yeah, actually. Yeah. What's going
0: on underneath there, yeah? So the
1: minute it's I looked at again, furs, I was out. like, Emery's going to love this. <sighs> Not gonna lie. So that one is for you. For so for the most romantic movie that you absolutely love. You have the love of your life, um, Gary Oldman, there. And now, Now. the other man in your life, other than,
0: obviously, your husband. This could be husband number two. Or a bit of a side piece. There you go. So his ghost can come haunt me. My gift to you. Oh, thank you. It's nice to be
1: nice. (laughs) (laughs) I think that pretty much wraps up our episode
0: yeah. this week on um, horror and it's art. It's funny, I didn't think, as I said in the beginning, I didn't think that this would make an episode but it's one of the, it really opened my eyes. There is so much more to art in horror and horror art, like the, the depraved, dark... Depiction yeah. of horror. It's, like, it's amazing.
1: And it's not even, it's funny, it's like, it was never intended to be a depiction of horror. It was actually just a depiction of... The horrors within of life, of life, yeah, that of myth.
0: But we're of in religion. Our, we're in our cushy life where we can look back and go like, you know, as d- the, with those dark times, just go, wow, you know, they're just saying like, yeah, an echo of what it's like at the time. But we can look at that and go, God, it's it's so dark and it's so yeah, oh God. See, this is why I'm not an art student. I don't have the words, but like it is, it evokes such a deep meaning of you of just like desolation. Yeah so yeah yeah yeah. No, yeah i have to say it was very interesting looking this whole Good. episode up. Yeah. i'm glad i'm glad so thanks so much for listening to that episode um and yeah again if you liked that you could listen back to any of our other old episodes or just you know whilst you're trying to run away from your family just uh pop us in the ears and we're like a new family exactly great family
1: make sure to follow us on instagram on because you're home with an underscore in between each word
0: and you can listen to us on most podcast platforms. If you listen to us on Apple, we would love a or review. And if you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcast platform, um, just tell a friend and spread the word and we will become a small cult of our own. Yay! <laughs> it's what Grace has always wanted. Yay! <laughs> that is <like> my business. <laughs> okay, take care, guys. Bye. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Bye.